Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, episode number 67. Today, if you're watching the video version, you can already tell we are joined by a special guest. We have Johnny Yap. Hello. Johnny, you are a martial artist. I'm actually telling you now what you are. Okay. <laughs> cool. Shut up and listen. listen. <laughs> All right. yes. Be quiet. Uh, Johnny, for, for those listening, uh, is a martial artist, a BJJ practitioner. He's just starting a budding career in politics, which we may touch on yep. uh, later in the episode. And of course, most significantly is a podcast host of his very own yep. podcast called Johnny Yaps, very aptly named. Yep. And uh, you can find that it is on YouTube and streaming on all platforms yep. that you can find podcasts. So definitely check that out. I'll put a link to a uh, direct link to that podcast in the show notes of and the description of this uh, episode if you want to check it out. But without further ado, Johnny, welcome to the Beyond Jiu Jitsu podcast. Thank you. I have to say, you know, Kieran, you make this so much more professional than what I do. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't I'm, say that. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm literally just, you know, rock up. I, I don't have any of the buttons set up on my roadcaster. I literally just hit the button and go, let's just have a conversation and away we go. <laughs> yeah, so for the audience, I uh, I have done, a, if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen, I, I did, I was a guest on Johnny's podcast very recently. Yep. Uh, I think by the time this airs, it may be on uh, audio, but you'll be able to find it. I'll yep. put a link to that as well um, uh, in the description on the YouTube version. Yep. So I was on Johnny's podcast. He he came here. He's got a portable studio. We have very, very similar setup. So yep. we spent like 20 minutes just geeking out on, on audio equipment. <laughs> I just looked over the Adam I'm and he so started glad like- I wasn't uh. here. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Simpsons when like Homer's like not present and like the monkey's just going <laughs> in his brain? That is exactly the look on your face that you're like- da, 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 da. I'm still sitting here going, what's a roadcaster? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's magic. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's, it records all this audio and we can listen back to it. Yeah, magic yeah. audio equipment. Quite fortunate that, that Kieran does all that side of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think from, I don't know how, how you feel about, you know, recording your episodes, but when we first started, Kieran and I had a conversation about, okay, well, here are a few different options for microphones and how you can go about it. And because obviously you could, in theory, record a podcast on your phone, right? Yeah, absolutely. But we, which is great that people can do that because maybe that's for some people all they have access to. But you know, we we quickly came to the conclusion that well, man, it's a podcast. The the platform is audio. Yeah, you need to have good. You quality need to audio. have good audio, yeah. right? Like, I mean, props to people that they still go and do it if all they have access to is a phone or whatever, you know. But yeah, we we tried to get as best quality as was within our range. Yeah. And, and yeah, fortunately for me, Kieran, with all his uh, videography stuff, mm. he's like, yeah. boop, 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 presses the yeah. buttons. And, and I mean, from one video slash audio guy to another, I can say that Johnny's setup is very professional. So very high quality audio in his podcast. Definitely check it out. But Johnny. Yes. I, I wanted to ask you, this is the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast, yes. so of course. Yes. Of course we need to we need Talk to go there. We need to, <laughs> and then we go point. beyond jiu-jitsu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yes, exactly. So whenever we go off topic, that's why we called it beyond jiu-jitsu. So we give ourselves like that grace. We can yeah. we can go off topic. If you notice you can well. also abbreviate it beyond jiu-jitsu podcast to BJJ, right? Oh, so yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. See, you're operating on many levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's levels to the game, son. <laughs> exactly. But Jody, how, when did your martial arts journey begin? Because I know that your yeah. martial arts doesn't just include jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I know that you do a lot of yeah. MMA breakdowns as well. Very, very analytical yep. uh, MMA breakdowns, I must say. Yep. Uh, so talk us through your martial arts journey okay. when you found jujitsu and let's start there. All right. So 
I actually started uh, my martial arts journey as a kid, obviously, you know, like parents, you know, they want to find things for their kids to do. I was a bit of a sook when I was a child. <laughs> and when I say when I say that, right, like, and I see this in my son as well. Uh, it's not so how, much. How old your son? Sorry, so my son is three. Three. Yeah. And so what it is, it's not, it's not that you actually, you know, feel like the world is ending. It's just an easy out. Right. And so I was, I was the the second child. So I'm the young, the youngest in my family. My brother's seven years older than me. And so my dad, my dad would describe my, my, my brother as like the latchkey kid. He, he could just leave him alone and be fine. He'd do whatever he wanted and let him go. Right. But for me, I was very, uh, I wanted, you know, whether it was people around me or things to do, I always wanted to be occupied. I was that kid that the teachers would describe as hyperactive and I learned at a very early age you could manipulate people just by faking some tears. <laughs> right? Right. So I love that you're not even like, oh, yeah, I just like cried uncontrollably all the time. It's like, no, I was manipulating people. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it is. It's emotional manipulation, right? Yeah, yeah. Get, and if you get away with it and you can, you keep getting away with it, it becomes a lever. It's like yeah. learned so, behavior. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so. so what happened was, and, and how, why, I, why I can reflect on that and realize that that was the case is be like, say, let's say I was like wrestling with some mates. Right. And then if I ended up, you know, as a kid, like just play fighting or whatever. And if I ended up, you know, not, not enjoying the game anymore, just, you know, fake some tears and then we just move on to something else. Yeah. Right? yeah it's an right. easy way to get whatever I, I wanted. You know, if I didn't want to play that game anymore, oh, I don't want to play. And then just move yeah, on to the next yeah. thing. Right. So as a result of that, my, uh, my mum decided she would send me to karate. Uh, at to five toughen, or to toughen yeah, you to up. try and learn some <laughs> discipline and, and toughen me up. And, and that was probably the start of, I guess my, my, my that, that would, that is the start of my martial arts journey. Right. So I did karate from the age of five through to 12. Um, did you enjoy it back I, then? I did actually. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I, I really enjoyed, uh, karate because, you know, as a, as a kid, I actually really enjoyed action movies, right? Like, yeah, yeah. so blood sport. You yeah. know, like all those, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies back nice. th- back yeah. in those days. Like I, I really love that stuff. The Bruce Lee movies, like Jackie Chan, like I, I loved all of those sort that, that, that kind of cinema. And so as a result of it, you know, I think most kids, you know, if you, if you're into that sort of stuff, you spend time, you know, punching and kicking in your living room thinking like, you know, this is how you fight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get, finding twigs and being like, and karate chopping them <laughs> yeah. in half. And, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I did karate from, yeah, from five till about, uh, 12 and, uh, I was, I was, I was really into it. And then, uh, part of the reason why I stopped karate is because we, we moved houses. So when I was 10, we moved from, um, St. Clair, which is out West, uh, to Borkham Hills, which is in the Northwest of Sydney. And as a result of that, so where I was training previously, uh, in St. Clair, that, that was like the, where that, where that dojo was, um, we, we, it was too far to travel. Yep. So we tried, we tried another one that was, uh, an, uh, like another branch of the same school that was a little bit closer, but just sort of wasn't the same. Mm. And so I lost a bit of interest. And then, so we stopped, I stopped doing that, um, at the age of 12. And then what happened was, uh, in high school, one of my friends, Shane, he, he, he'd found some martial arts to go to and it was Chinese Kung Fu. So as a result of that, like his, his parents know my parents and they said, oh, you know, why don't you, why don't you take. Johnny along. And so then I went to that and I fell in love with it. Um, and part of the reason why I fell in love with it is because it was so difficult. Like right. it was very complex and, and like as a 14 year old, like I was training with adults, which was great because you know, there's a, there's a, there's not only a skill difference, there's a strength difference, there's a size difference. And I really enjoyed that. Like, I think, uh, the challenge was something that I really liked and I liked hard, I liked hard training. Like I just like to, to just train really hard and 
you know, I think there's also an element of, um, you know, being Kung Fu, you, you sort of like for me from a culture perspective, there was some heritage there. Uh, my master was, uh, he's, he was from, from Malaysia originally, um, but Malaysian Chinese. And that, that's a very similar background to my parents. Yeah. And so that, that really resonated for me. And you had um, that feeling of, I was born to do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, so, so yeah, I got, I got really into Kung Fu and I, I was doing, I did Kung Fu for like 20, almost 21 years of my life. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so lifelong. So basically when I started at 14, I only stopped a, a few years ago and we can, we can talk about that too, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was really into it. So all through all, all pretty much the remainder of my high school through uni. And I was like, when all, I also to interrupt all at the same school or you kind of moved all at the same school. Yeah. Wow. All at the same school, 21 years at the same wow, school. Wow. That is wow. awesome. That's so yeah. cool. And like, it's, it, it's a, a big chunk of my life. Um, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes my wife was like, oh, you were too into it. And it's like, yeah, but like, I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fan those flames of obsession because mm. it's only when you go deep into something, like there's a, there's an old, uh, quote, you know, uh, I think it's the Miyamoto Masashi quote from the book of five rings where he talks about, you know, when you understand the way in one thing, mm. you can see it in everything. You see the way in everything. Yeah. 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 And so that, that is one of the things that I, I was really grateful for. Like, I don't view any of my, my years there as being wasted from that perspective, because a lot of that learning and a lot of those lenses that you use to view the world um, I, I feel like I can apply those to other things. And, and so, you know, when I do, you know, my, my MMA breakdowns and those sorts of things, when I look at the striking elements, I am looking at things from like concept, I'm using concepts that I, I might've picked up through Kung Fu, Kung Fu or concepts through BJJ or con- concepts through wrestling and things like that. And, and using those different lenses to try and understand, okay, what is going to make this more high percentage or what, why is this, why did that appeal to me? You know, mm-hmm. there was obviously something in that sequence that appealed to me. Uh, in, in the way that one person either shut down the other person's game or made an adjustment to, to then counter somebody else's game. Right. So, yeah, so so did Kung Fu for, for 21 odd years of my life. Uh, throughout that, towards the, the probably the last sort of 10 years of my, of my Kung Fu career as well, uh, I, I got exposed through, uh, sorry, no, probably earlier than that. So I, I competed in, in mixed martial arts, so I did pancreation com- competitions, which were, it was like no strikes to the head, but wrestling ground and, and, and strikes to the body and kicks and things like that. So it, I, does it have submissions as well? Submissions. Or has submissions? Yeah. Is that where you were introduced to training grappling? Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, I, I like, you know, I had, the, so this would have been in the, I think this would have been the early 2000s still. So probably maybe like 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. So USC was still in its early days, right? And so people still had this idea, and I I was one of those guys that had that idea that you know, uh, styles can 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 combat other styles, mm. right? So you you get sort of in, in, not to say indoctrinated, but you get down brought down this pathway that you think that hey, if I'm really really good at this specialization, I can use that specialization to combat anything else. And you know, getting exposed to mixed martial arts and pancreation, you you learn very quickly that hey, no, it may not be the case. So I, I tell this story quite a bit on, on, on my podcast, but I think it's a, a really relevant story because my first mixed martial arts fight, I actually won. Um, and I think that actually set back my progression as a martial artist. Because it kind of validated yeah. like your, your the, concept, thought, the thought, thoughts you yeah. already had. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so winning my first fight was actually the worst thing that could have happened to me. Cause I reckon that actually set me back, say, say five years. Cause I, I would, I would just, so after that, you know, you, you, so you win your first fight. I lost my second fight. I didn't lose because I got knocked out or submitted. I, so I actually submitted the guy in my first fight. Wow. Um, what, what was the submission? I must uh, ask. 
So it was, so I, I did sort of like a, a hip wheel throw, hip wheel throw, so Koshiguruma. Yep. And then I had him in like a, a like Kesakatami. So it was just like a, a just basically like a bulldog choke. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so I, 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 I bulldog choked the guy and I, I got the submission. But the stand up, you know, like the, the stand up was fine. Um, all of my fights, the stand up was fine. The stand up was never the issue. Um, but in my second fight, I was going against a guy, I think his name was Jordan. And he was, he was training. So this was down, uh, we're at like Illawarra PCYC or something like that. And, um, and yeah, after, after the initial feeling out process where, you know, he realized, oh, you know, Johnny can strike. So we went to the ground and then I got stuck on my back for the remaining, I don't know, three minutes of the round or whatever. And, you know, from a mental standpoint, as I said, because I, I won that first fight, it was like, oh, you know, all I need to do then is just avoid getting to the ground. Like that was how, you know, basic my, my, my thought process was back then. And I, I was so, so fixated on the idea that, Hey, I could use, you know, just what I'm learning to overcome any adversity. It's basically when you, all you have is the hammer, you see everything as the nail. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, so that, so that was um, when I, when I first got exposed to the idea of mixed martial arts and it was actually more through. So I would say there's a, there's a couple of guys that, that really um, helped me to then open up a little bit more. So one of them is my mate Dexter, who he trains at uh, VT1. So he's a brown belt there. And he started. Um, that's uh, the guy who runs VT1. Uh, Liam. Liam. Yeah. That's, that's yep. Liam Risen costume. Yeah. Yep. So um, Dexter was a, a mate of mine from, from uh, uni days. And we would always actually muck around. So when he, when he started uh, training jujitsu, we, we would muck around and, and have roles and things like that. And it was funny because he would say, oh, you know, you, you roll very differently because I guess, you know, I, I was trying to apply, you know, non-traditional BJJ concepts. So concepts from Kung Fu or karate into my roles in, in, you know, in grappling. And so, you know, you have, you see the way you see problems and how you attack problems is, is, is different, right? Because that's your background. So, and you see this, uh, I guess a common example would be when you look at different jujitsu schools, because different jujitsu schools, the way the coaches teach and what their game might be, might be a little bit different. You might find that at one place, you know, people love playing closed guard, but at another place people love playing open guard. Right. It's, it's that's, it's that style of thing. Right. So how I would approach the problem would, um, would be, you know, based on what I'm thinking is the solution to that particular problem. And so, um, as Dexter got, got better and better, they got, they came to, it came to a point where I was like, oh, okay, now I can, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to hold my own against this guy. Um, and I think that was probably when, when Dex probably got to his, uh, maybe, maybe when he was a blue belt or something, there was, um, when he, yeah, I think when he was a blue belt, um, I had my bucks and part of my bucks, my guys had organized to, to get all- Jelly wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it, was actually, yeah. it was actually funny what they did. We had like 20 guys rock up to this MMA gym and, oh. and basically get put through the ringer with, with, um, at, at this MMA gym and, and actually, you know, have to spar each other. And wow. That's oh, that's awesome. fun. That's, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was awesome. All right? Like, was this like- Pre-intoxication or everyone was already pre-intoxication. Like drink- yeah. right, right. <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of there's a lot of puke. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, nah, you, you don't want that post-intoxication. No, no, it would no, just no. been would have been a disaster, right? Yeah, that's such a fun idea. Yeah, for, that's an excellent for a idea. Bucks. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. So so that was um, part of what the guys had organised for my bucks, and and so I think yeah, it was on that day like you know uh, as I was doing the, the sort of like the king of the mat, right? And so like being the buck, like you you're stuck in the middle and everybody's. Mm smashing you, trying to smash you, trying to smash you, trying to smash you. And majority of the guys there, you know, um, didn't have any, any ground training. So I was fine with, with practically everyone that day, but Dexter caught me in something that day. And I was like, ah, oh, 
hmm, that was interesting, mm. right? And so, so it started to make me really think about, okay, I need to, I need to actually put some more uh, emphasis into this if I really want to understand it um, and, and not get caught, right? And just imagine you, you're on your wedding day and your wife's like, Johnny, you just, you seem so distracted and you're just still playing through your mind that submission that Dexter caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That fucking yeah. armbar. Yeah. <laughs> you got me in a triangle actually. Oh, See, a I triangle. still remember it. I remember it in detail. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so, so, so what happened from there was um, when I started working in Wollongong, so I was um, general sales manager at a Mercedes-Benz dealership in Wollongong. So that was actually... Yeah, so after I'd gotten married, uh, we went on a honeymoon. We'd come back, and and I I, I wanted to change jobs anyway. So I, I ended up working down in Wollongong. And so when I started working in Wollongong, I thought I need to find somewhere to train because you know I don't want to get caught, caught in traffic at the moment. At the time, my wife and I we didn't have kids, so I was looking for a place to train in the morning because my my previous um, strategy was obviously I like to train in the morning, uh, work, and then do my martial arts training in the evening. So at the time, I think what I, what I was doing was I was just going to like anytime fitness or something, just trying to find something to do some strength and conditioning, but it was so boring, mm. you know, it was so boring. And so then, um, I found, I found a gym called, uh, full circle mixed martial arts. Uh, and at the time they were just literally around the corner from my work. And I got in, in touch with the coach there, Russell Thompson, and, uh, said to Russ, you know, Russ, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, to, to do some more, uh, groundwork you know, bolster my wrestling and my grappling to, to sort of complement, you know, the striking that I've already got. And Russ was really good. He actually, you know, he never tried to, uh, to force anything down my throat. He just said, okay, yeah, we can, we can do that. So I was doing, I was doing privates with him, um, and training at, and, and training at the gym there. Um, and that was sort of, you know, where I started to pick up my, my MMA grappling, um, with, with Russ there. And so I, I was in Wollongong for about five years. So throughout those, those five years, um, probably about three years in, um, one of my other friends. So, uh, another guy that, uh, he actually used to train Kung Fu with me. So Jason Tan is his name and he, he, he'd, um, moved on to, to training jujitsu. I think he trains at Gracie Humiata in Castle Hill. And, um, and he, he was doing quite well. Like I think he, he went to, um, uh, world masters one, one year as a purple belt and, 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 and won, won his division. Awesome. Um, so, so, so did really well. And so, um, I would try and catch up with him it wasn't as freaking as catching up with Dexter, but like, you know, um, maybe say once every year or something like that. And, and we try and, you know, do some roles so I could see, you know, how his progression was. And, um, yeah. And he was a, he was a being a, uh, he's, he's like rooster weight. So he's only like 50 something kilos, but he was a very different puzzle to solve. Right. Because he's, you know, playing, he's a, he's a guard player. So he plays from bottom, um, and very fast on, on, on his back at changing angles and things like that. So, um, when I, when I, when I caught up with him, he was like, oh, by the way, I, I roll actually, um, at a, at a gym that's close to you, uh, on Sundays. So with, with a bunch of guys that are all, you know, around between 50 and 70 kilos. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, he was, he was like, oh, I'll ask, I'll ask the coach there if, if you can come. And then he, and he said, okay. And so, and then and, and Dave said, okay. And so then I went down. So that was integrated combat center where I, where I currently train. And for like probably two years, I was, I was rolling with them every Sunday. And it was like, you know, um, there'd be black belts that go. And, and like, I was like unqualified to roll with these guys. Like at the end of the day, like most of them were, were competitive guys, whether they were like purple and above competitive guys. And we'd have, you know, visiting black belts and things like that. And I would say I, I was unqualified because here I was just a, you know, more of a striker with some grappling experience, but, um, my game was very, very, uh, focused just on, you know, it was, it was tricks. I would say it's more tricks, right? Like, so chase the sub, uh, look for the sub. And, and so my game was very fast. 
um, and focused on obviously, you know, trying to catch a leg or, or trying to do those things. Because I, I would say I learned jujitsu ass about. I learned it, you know, going for leg locks first, and then and then, <laughs> and then only through my time at ICC, I've had to develop my my top game and 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 um and the upper half of the body. And even at that point, when you were rocking up on the Sundays, was the what was the culture like at the gym? Because something Kieran and I have spoken a lot about on you know multiple episodes, or even just my philosophy in the gym with my students is, you know, some gyms and I would call it outdated as a whole nowadays, but of course some gyms probably still follow it that whole, well, you just beat the shit out of the new guy and it's like sink or swim survival of the fittest. What was the culture like at that point in time when, you know, the reason I'm mentioning this or asking this is because you said, Oh, I wasn't qualified to roll with these guys, but was it, I mean, were these guys looking after you and rolling with you how you would roll with a less, you know, if they're competitive black belts and you're a less experienced beginner, not beginner in mixed martial arts or in combat sports, but a beginner in jiu-jitsu, did they look after you or did they kind of smash you and you being tough because you fought MMA just sucked it up and, you know. Look, I always, the sink or swim thing I I think is a a very interesting mentality, right? Like I think – that really actually comes down to the – so if you're the person that's visiting the gym, I think it, it, it's actually more on you than it is on the place uh, that to accommodate you. And the reason why I say that is because at the end of the day, you're the guest, right? It will be like if I walked into Kieran's place and I thought, you know, oh, well, I own this place. I walk up, I walk over to his fridge and open his fridge and grab his drinks and stuff. Yeah, like if you walk in right? and like he you, tells you to take the shoe, he, yeah. your shoes off, you're like, oh, what's well, your house? I take yeah, my shoes off. That's right. Like, right. So, so, so as the guest, when you go and visit other gyms, you, you need to um, approach the gym with that respect to understand what is actually the mentality of this gym, right? Because if that gym is a sink or swim place, then if you as, a, as, a, as, the, as the visitor don't try and match, when I, and when I say match, I don't mean you're not trying to kill them, but you, you need to match that, that sort of intensity because otherwise it's disrespectful. And the reason why I say that is because um, where, where I train kickboxing, we have that mentality, right? So if people come in and they've trained before, I'm actually there to show you respect. And if I'm playing around with you and, and just sort of yeah, just touching like you. Disrespectful. Uh, it's yeah. actually disrespectful. Yeah. Because that that's basically saying whatever you've learnt for however long you've learnt it, I don't I don't I don't see you as worthy. So I'm I'm only just gonna play with you. Yeah, I'm gonna fuck that's with you. That's such a good yeah. point, because yeah. I say that to my students. Um, and I'm sure you've experienced this. And even though you have that mentality, you've I mean, I'd find it hard to think you haven't been guilty of it at least once where you roll with a higher belt and you kind of show that default respect and you don't, you almost like don't roll with them properly, you know, because you don't want to mess with the status quo or whatever. But I say to my students, I'm like, man, like fucking bring it. Like just roll with me normally. And, you know, if you pass me or if you tap me or whatever, of course the competitor in me is going to be like, Let's go. Let's you know, go. <laughs> but like the instructor in me is going to be happy. Like yeah. it means you're getting better. And yeah, if you're not, if you as a white belt or a blue belt aren't rolling with me properly, like you would with another blue belt, yeah. then yeah, it's kind of disrespectful. What do you think I can't? Yeah. I can't handle you exactly. rolling properly with me. And maybe I can't. Like I said, if you do pass me or sub me, that's awesome. Power yeah. to you, right? You don't yeah. want this heat. Yeah. You don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I mentioned this. I don't know what it was, whether it was before lockdown or after the most recent lockdown, whenever it was. But I mentioned this like on a podcast and it was the the first time I think Kieran had heard it like really splayed out like that. Yeah. 
And then the next role we had, whether it was that day or it was late, that day, yeah, was yeah. It? later that day, Bruh, he came at me so hard. That's like, good. Kieran yeah. came so hard, and yeah. I was like, I never roll with you normally. I was just thinking when you were talking, like. I don't roll with you how I would an, an, another blue belt. I roll with you to try and murder you, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, fucking, I fucking roll <laughs> with does, you so yeah. hard. Like I roll with you like you, and you I, know, it's the world fucking title of the yeah. line, son. <laughs> yeah, and like I had, uh, you know, Beck, she's a blue belt from from Jungle Brothers and she's been visiting every now and again and she came and trained last week and I rolled with her and I said to her afterwards, I was like, Beck, like, Roll with me properly. Like yeah. you don't you don't have to play around with me. Yeah. Like just <laughs> like, you know, and I didn't say to her, like, you're disrespecting me, but I was yeah. like, just Yeah, it's it, it's, so it's, it's context, like, right? Like yeah. so so and, and so why I would say that is because one of the one of the traps that you can fall into when you've been at a gym for a long time, when people start to know your game and you sort of fall into this 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 trap of uh because you guys know each other's games and it's semi, you know, you 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 you're friends with these people as well. So sometimes uh, people fall into this mindset of, oh, well, this person's always been better than me. So yeah. you sort of just, yeah. you know, and, and that's not the actual mentality that you're supposed to have. You, as, if, you, if you want to train any fighting art, your responsibility is essentially to make sure that you keep people's bullshit to a minimum, right? If it's a bullshit move and it doesn't work, it shouldn't work, mm. right? But if you get caught with the bullshit move, that's on you. Right. But you, you don't, so, and that's why I say context is important. If we're live rolling and we, and we, we're, we're sparring, right. Then that should be the, the, the means to sort of, you know, you, you're trying to match each other's level. Right. But if we're drilling, I'm not going to go and be a dick in drilling and then, yeah. and then just, you know, suddenly rip, rip out a different move. Um, because <laughs> caught your bitch. Just for the sake of my, my, my own ego. Right. So, so there's, there's that balance. And then that. you the next day you see on Instagram, Kieran's like fucking sub Johnny. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Motherfucker, we were doing hip escapes in the warm up. There's no benefit to, to that. Right. So, I, I think, you know, in your, in your training. And so, you know, I, 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 part of that, I think actually, um, because I did so much sparring before I actually then focused on any fundamentals. Um, I think that actually helped me well, for my style anyway, it, it allowed me to really, uh, think about things. So I wouldn't be thinking about things on a, on a technical level. I would be thinking about things on a conceptual level. So as an example, if I continually got, got passed into this position, I'd be thinking about it from, okay, well, Forget about the technique because to me, the, the, like, you know, if I can understand the concept of how they, they're getting to that position, then I can start to work back on how do I, how do I now address that? Mm-hmm. So that, that, was my, that was my approach um, to, to how I would try and uh, build my, I guess, my grappling skills at that point in time. And then, you know, it was probably after a couple of years, Dave, the, the coach there, Dave, um, he said to me, you know, Johnny, you're here every week. Like you might as well just – come and, you know, uh, like train, like try and train at the gym properly. And, and then, you know, for all the time that you spend here, at least you have the rank to go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Right. So you had done probably how, how many, how long had you been doing these, these weekly sessions before he was like, bro. So, and, and sorry. And by the way, were these sessions cause you weren't, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you weren't training jujitsu in little yep. air quotes as in you hadn't joined up and you yep. weren't going through all the systematic yep. Uh, you know, uh, parts of the sport uh, was were you just doing this nogi like those yeah. Sunday so sessions we'll with nogi? Yeah, so it was basically a lot of nogi. We were just rolling nogi every every weekend. Um, you know, 10, 10 to twenty hard rolls. You know, five minute rounds. Um, just going 
And then how, how long were you doing that before Dave it's said time probably, to time to yeah. actually train? Yeah, probably probably a couple of years. No way. Well, he he might have said it earlier, but I, I would. And think, you were like, "Fuck you, Dave. I'm good." No, no. <laughs> <it wasn't. laughs> okay, maybe, maybe it was. Fuck off, Dave. <laughs> let me think. Maybe no, it was after Dave. a year. Maybe it was right. after a year. It could have been after a year, but I, uh, yeah, like. And then he put you in a gi and he tied your belt on and it already had some stripes on it and you're like, thanks, Dave. No, no. (laughs) That's one of the things I'll say about Dave is that there is no – it it was demoralizing for a lot of people when I was a white belt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were coming from a position of experience. Yeah, Yeah. It's like in the US, you get it a lot in like North America, the whole white belt, but – you're a division one wrestler. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, know, like, right? you so, made the Olympic team. <laughs> yeah. So, so they'd like, you know, and, and, and I'd see it in the roles like, you know, if, if we had um, like when people didn't know who I was and then it's like, okay, um, like the as soon as you sort of get into it, you realise, oh, shit, you know, I need to actually – Match this guy. Yeah, this guy Otherwise, isn't Brent. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it was. It was. It You're was looking do- around. Where's the hidden cameras? This is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, it's one of those clickbaity, like you yeah. know, yeah. black belt wears a white belt. Yeah. Undercover black belt. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was demoralizing for a lot of people when I was a white belt, and I, I would, I'd have to actually say to them after the role, "Hey, look, you know, I've actually been training for a while. Mm. I just don't train. In, I haven't trained in the gi. Um, so, you know, like I've got to respect the system, and and and, and however Dave wants to promote me, that's up to him." Right, like he's the coach. Uh, for, me, for me personally, I don't. I, I, I'm I, I'm at this point in my martial arts journey where I don't really care about belts that much. Like I care more about you know how technical am I. If I if I get beat, I want to try and understand what are the technical reasons why I got beat, so that I can work on those things. I, I don't really care so much about whatever belt because at the end of the day, when you roll with someone, you don't go and say, oh, you know, I should beat you because you're a white belt. Um, if that person is a division one wrestler or he's done judo or he's done something else or a different mm. grappling art, you might have a hard time. It's, yeah. it's styles, right? It's and for anyone styles. that thinks that, that they should, you know, say a blue belt, they should beat all white belts. I'd like to introduce them to a guy at our gym called Eric. Yeah. Fuck Eric, Eric, Eric is like this specimen of a human. Yeah. He doesn't have a martial arts background. So jujitsu is his first, first martial art, but yep. he is like a ex-professional athlete. Yep. And it just goes to show exactly what you're talking about. You, you don't know who you're rolling with. Yep. Like, they could be an absolute specimen. They could just be a natural jujitsu yep. uh, and just be a very, yeah. very difficult time. Yeah, we got another guy like that. We've got um, a guy, Tom Slingsby is mm-hmm. his name, uh, very famous in the sailing community. He won gold at the Olympics for Australia. Wow. He's now the, the skipper of the Australian team in Sail GP, which um, – you know, would be the Formula One, one of, of sailing, sa- of sailing mm. races. And, you know, he's, he's a blue belt. And just the fact that he's an Olympic athlete, sailing obviously with the amount of like grips, oh, and, grips and ropes and, you know, they yeah. use a thing called a grinder and all this, you know, he's very strong and he has even all that stuff aside, just the mentality that mm. comes with him being a professional athlete yep. in a completely unrelated sport. Yep. Every time you roll with Tom, it's like rolling with Eric. You you know, ignore all their physical attributes, just the mentality they have. It's like, mm. oh god, yeah. you know, it's so, always hard work. So that's the, that's the benefit of you know when you've trained like done something that's required some whether it's physical physical or mental coordination before. This is where I think a lot of people come unstuck. They they don't realize how much of the actual things that they do outside in their life, like whatever they they've been good at before. If they applied that some of their learnings from that into if they wanted to apply it to jiu-jitsu as an example or if a jiu-jitsu practitioner was to apply some of that um, understanding of distance and timing into striking, mm. you know, you could actually very quickly gain, make big gains in any 
um, martial art, right? And that, that was one of the things that I think um, I, I appreciated about all my time in these other martial arts is that, you know, I could apply concepts of, of distance and timing and things like that into my, my grappling. There's something to be said about lifelong pursuit in martial arts as a whole. Yep. And then when you undertake a, a newer yeah. martial art, there's so much crossover. Like, yeah. well, it's compound physical. interest. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Sometimes I'll have brand new uh, students that are doing an introductory class or whatever, and I'll ask, "Oh, have you done anything similar before or something?" And they'll say, "Oh, I did taekwondo, but I've never done any grappling." Yep. And I'll say to them, "I'll be like, oh, cool. You'll be surprised how much that's going to help you." Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know the way you've phrased it anything that requires that sort of mental coordination yep. it can take you a long way to have those really big gains in 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 the early days the amount of people i who have no coordination and you try to teach them a yeah. hip escape and you're just like no like that leg don't move that leg it's like man mm. it's been it's been two months you're still moving that leg yeah. right? you know whereas you get someone who might have done taekwondo or god like salsa dancing so yep. even you know something yeah. that yeah. and and yep. you're just like okay yeah cool you've got that straight away yeah you know, not many people do a hip escape correct their first repetition ever yeah right so yep. nowadays I, I have to ask when it comes to gi versus no gi do you split your training between the two or are you more orientated toward gi now or uh so at, at, at our gym so mondays and wednesdays are, are gi days mm-hmm. um fridays and sundays are, are, are no gi no, right so no it's gi pretty evenly so split it's fairly evenly split um you know, what do you prefer to train? So I, I even when I roll in the gi, unless I, unless we're doing gi specific stuff, like so as an example, if we're doing torando passing and we're using the grips and things like that, generally when I'm when I'm rolling, I will try and ro- even in the gi, I try and roll in a style that will translate between gi and no gi. That's just my preference, mm. um, and I guess the reason why I have that preference is because I'm I I generally always try and lean my training towards mixed martial arts. So that makes sense. That, and that's just because I, I actually, you know, my passion, I love martial arts. Like that's to me, you know, to, when, when you can string it all together, uh, the combinations of things that you can come up with is amazing. And that's what I really love. Like um, I love chaining. So as an example, one of my, a move that I, I like a sequence that I really love trying to set up is, you know, um, for, like being in Southpaw, you know, fainting the lead jab, but then going, so the first set part of the setup is fainting the lead jab. The second part of the setup is then feigning the lead jab into a left overhand, right? And so then, and then when people see the overhand, then they've got two options because they're either going to back out or they're going to come forward. And if they come forward, they're going to get by the overhand. If they back out, then I move into an Imanari. Right. So, okay. so, so you know, I, I like, I like, it. I like playing with those things where you have this freedom of expression where you can go, you know, what can you create? You know, uh, and that's the, the the part that why that's why I love mixed martial arts. Do you still train striking? Yep. You, you yep. still train MMA? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still doing MMA training as well. Yeah, yeah. nice. Do you, do, do you find, now that you've been doing it for long enough, is it quite autonomous for you to, similar to speaking, if you're someone who speaks another language or multiple languages, it, you know, you get to a certain point, you can kind of just switch on that language in your brain. Yep. Do you find it quite easy now, like when you're doing jujitsu to not have the thoughts of like, oh, but in MMA, I would punch you here or kick you here because you yeah, know that you're that. training jujitsu. Yeah, right? that's right. Did yeah. you have, did you go through that in the beginning? Because you get a lot of people who start strike, who would come from striking, they yep. learn jujitsu and they say something like, oh, but I could just punch, punch you here. And you're me. like, yeah, but not in this sport, you can't. The same way that in a boxing match, <laughs> yeah. I can't take you down. Yeah. Like it's within this sport. You, yeah. It's like saying like, it's no different than 
having a match of tennis and being like, yeah, but bro, I'm just going to jump over the net and yeah. hit you with my racket. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not allowed to. <laughs> so I, I always viewed it as, so I think the the mentality I would approach it with is the, and I think Georges St-Pierre would talk about this, right? He trained all these, all these styles as, as specialist disciplines, right? But then it's up to him to put it together, right? So, you know, as an example, I, you know, when he was, when he was doing his jujitsu and things like that with, with John Danaher, I'm sure he, they were focusing on, on MMA grappling, uh, oriented grappling, but he's still doing a specialization. He's still rolling with guys who are jujitsu pra- practitioners as opposed yeah. to MMA practitioners. Yeah. So there's no benefit other than serving your own ego to go and say, oh yeah, you're in bottom half. I can punch you in the face here. You, you're losing the whole point of the exercise is that, you know, but can you pass, mm. right? Can you get yourself out of there? Right. Or is this guy in bottom half, you know, yeah, he's going to cop a few punches, but then he's on top of you. It's kind of like what you were talking about at the beginning, how early days when you, when you did your first two MMA matches and you got in that mentality of like, I'm going to take my specialty and apply to all situations. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you're saying if you're specifically training a different situation, yeah, you can, you know, take what's good about whatever other specializations you have, but you're defeating the point. Yeah. You you're need, able you, to use those lenses, like yeah. you said, look through mm. the different lens to, yep. yeah. you know, it's very, you know, it's similar to, you can always draw parallels with a lot of different uh, sports or professions or whatever, but it's kind of like, like cooking. If you wanted to, you know, have this, make some, you know, Thai French fusion food, like you wouldn't have the skill set to bring those two things together unless you put some time in just learning French cuisine and learning Thai cuisine. Exactly. Like you yeah. can't just be, you're not going to be. Is this an analogy? It's, it may be an analogy. Yeah, you're not just going to be like, imagine, imagine apprenticing under some like world renowned French chef and saying like, yeah, but I'm just going to like put some fucking lemongrass here, bro. And you're yeah. Like, yeah. no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. 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 A, but that's, that's where, so, so yeah, like if you, if you think about cuisine from that perspective, right, you, if you specialize in the individual cuisines, the person that knows two styles of cuisine can then create these fusion fr- foods, right? Like, so that's why we have like this huge thing about, uh, whether it's, you know, Chinese, Australian fusion or, you know, mm. like where they blend different different flavors and different cooking techniques together. It's the same thing for mixed martial arts. But you need to have the respect for the art individually, right? I'm going to make a sweet and sour pork pie. There we go. Go that on. Should be, there we that, go. That'd be, be so gross. but no, I'll, I'll, I'll try. Yeah. I'm my first two customers. Step one, learn how to make sweet and sour pork. Step two, learn how to make a pie. Yeah. <laughs> what is pie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but yeah, exactly that, right? You have to – I like the way you put it. You know, it's – or, you know, you said – you used GSP as the, the example, but it's up to – him to put it all together. Yep. Right. Obviously he had help from yeah. like MMA coaches as yeah. well, but, but you they know, can't like, fight that fight for him in the cage. Exactly. Right? He's the athlete that has to put it all together. Exactly. Right. Yep. So, so Johnny, with all of these different interests around like mixed martial arts, around jujitsu, grappling, all these different endeavors that you've got going on, how often are you training at the moment? What's your training <laughs> schedule look like for Johnny app? Yeah. So I train, uh, striking four days a week. So kickboxing four days a week, uh, Monday to Wednesday and Friday. Uh, jiu-jitsu Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and alter- sometimes some Sundays I'm, I'm rolling, some Sundays I'm sparring MMA. So wow, so eight at least eight training sessions per week. Yeah, so wow. that that's what I've, I've negotiated with my wife at this point in time. Yeah, I was about right. to say, have <laughs> yeah. you, how long since you've seen your son? <laughs> so, well, so, Wait, what? Yeah. So it, it makes it challenging, right? But I think you know 
life is about priorities, right? You've got to work out what are those priorities that are important to that you. That son just isn't one yet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not until he's big enough to be a training partner. Yeah. You know, until I can drill with him, he can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm in a fortunate place at the moment where, you know, I, I don't have the pressure of having full-time work. So, I was going to ask if you were still so because yeah. last you said you were you had moved to Wollongong and you're working at Mercedes. Yeah. That's that's a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So essentially, I was in the automotive industry for 17 years, and uh, it was only until probably what, November last year that I, I stopped working uh, in the automotive industry. Um, it's a bit of a long story, but do, do you want to go through it? Or? Yeah, if you, if you, yeah, okay. if you want to so, share so, that for sure. Yeah, so essentially what happened was, um, you know, my company, uh, the, the board of directors decided that they wanted to mandate the, and, uh, you know, the. You know what? You know what? <laughs> it's and, it's uh, like we're in Harry Potter here. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the, the, the vaccine that must not be named. Yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, and I, said, I said at the time, look, you know, I, I, I don't think um, that we should be doing that. Like I think as a company, you know, unless it's been mandated for our industry, we shouldn't we shouldn't be going over and above what is what is the mandated requirements from the government. Um, As in, your your stance was like, why don't we just do what the government and the yeah. health professionals, yeah. you know, in look at the end New of the South day, Wales it's, it's a it's a person's it's a person's choice, right? So mm. I, I don't think that we needed to add anyone any extra pressure to someone to go and say, hey, if you don't do this, you may not have a job, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, after some discussions back and forth, essentially, um, I don't think they appreciated my, my position on it. Um, and so that it, co- it cost me my job. They, yeah, right. they made me redundant. So as a result of that, you know, uh, in the initial stages, I was obviously, you know, very angry. Um, and I, I, I was telling this story to Kieran on, on my podcast that I, I actually had to say to them, you know, when, when they called the meeting and they, they didn't entertain any discussion about what we were talking about previously and just said, oh, you know, we've restructured the company. We're making you redundant. Mm. I just said, look, hey, you know, let's just hang the phone up right now because I don't want to say anything that is, you know, I'm never going to be able to take back and let me go and process things and I'll come back to you in a week and we'll talk about it then. Um, so then I went away and, and obviously did a lot of thinking about things and, and you know, how, how did we get to this place in this world, right? Like, you know, I really had to take a step back and, and look at it from a, a bigger picture because I, I didn't want to just be angry just because, you know, it had impacted me personally. I wanted to look at it from the perspective of, okay, if I put myself in the shoes of the board of directors, how much pressure must you be feeling from mm. somewhere to have to go and make that decision? Yeah, right? yeah, 100%. So that, you, you know, not only are you going to let go of the most senior guy in your BMW business, you're also going to now let go of all these other employees who, mm. for whatever reason, have, the same stance. Have, 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 have decided that they they don't want it or they, or they didn't want to be forced into, into having it, mm. right? So that's what... Uh, I guess, you know, got me down this political pathway because I started to look into, you know, every major political party and and wanting to understand, you know, what was everybody's different positions on it. And I also wanted to understand, you know, am I wrong in thinking this way, right? That that we should be able to, you know, like the question for me was not whether you should get it or not. The question for me is should we be able to mandate things like that, right? Because I, I would have thought, you know, and part of the reason, you know, uh, I've been so I've been fortunate to have such such success in my career was because of freedom, right? That my parents came here, you know, from another country as migrants and could build a life here because there was freedom and opportunity to do so, right? And so they were the things that really stood out for me. Like when I thought about, you know, what what are Australian values? You know, Australian values. I would have thought, you know, freedom would have been one of those values, um, but it didn't. It doesn't seem that way, you know. When when you look at, I guess, you know, how 
what, what the parties have done, like, you know, where it's the Labor Party or the Liberal Party, like they've all taken very similar stances and they've done the same things. Um, and I don't want to make this too political, but uh, that's what started the journey for me in terms of looking into politics. And then I thought, you know what, um, I'll just, uh, I, I'll sign up as a, as a member and I signed up as a member of the United Australia Party and then uh, they were calling for candidates and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to try. I'll, I'll put my hand up because at the end of the day, if nobody puts their hand up, then you, you're left with the dregs of, of society that, that do this. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, and then when I, I, I was shocked when I got a phone call saying that they wanted me on the, on the Senate team. And so, you know, I'm running in the next federal election. So, you know, aside from campaigning, all I do is martial arts now. So yeah, right. What a yeah. life. Yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> yeah. percent. Johnny's like, oh, so was there stiff competition? And the guys are there, like, you know, when you go do a competition and there's like no one else in your division, and, <laughs> and, and then you do an Instagram post being like, got silver. Yeah, and <laughs> so two you people had, in your you had one match that yeah. you lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you see the podium; it's just deserted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah well, I love. You're the, still valid. I, yeah. I really like the photos when people like obviously they didn't get the opportunity or whatever happened, but you'll see someone maybe got silver yep. and, um, but it's, they're then taking their photo on the podium later. So mm. it's actually just them on the podium. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you're the only one there and you still got second. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you suck? How fucking oh. bad are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. And, um, so you've got how long of of campaigning? When's the so, the election? Well, election hasn't been called yet, but we, we anticipate the date should be either you know May fourteenth for the twenty first. Right. So, so you got a busy busy few months ahead of you. Yeah. Look, you know, it's an experience, right? Like, so when I when I talked about you know should I do this, you know, with my wife, um, what we came to is like you know what, what I'm going to learn out of this. You know, when, when else can you say in your life that you've run in a federal election? Right? Yeah, hundred percent. So for me, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm. I'm like you know focused on winning. That's that's not my my goal of this. Mm. Um, it's more the fact that you know I, I stood up for what I believed in, and whatever happens, I'm fine with. You know, uh, like you know, because as much as you can, you can try and make the pros and cons lists of of why it would be good to do it and why it would not be good to do it. Like, there's, it's not to say that everything's positive, right? Like, do I really? want to be involved with politics, you know, I would say no. Um, but I feel strongly enough about, you know, specific issues. And, and so, you know, mandating things is one thing, you know, obviously, you know, as a gym owner, you know, lots of gyms have been impacted by what has happened, you know? Um, so, you know, and, and that was the thing that I, that's one of the things that I really don't like is that your freedom is not a privilege that people can dole back to you as they see fit. Mm. You're born as a, as a human being, you were born with this ability to make choices. Right, so there shouldn't be somebody that can go and take away those choices. Like, and 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 the common thing that people will say then, oh, but what about road rules? And I think there's that's, a difference. I think that's straw manning yeah. the, the argument a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between infrastructure and doing things that are, that that you know we all agreeing that these are, are good things for society, mm. versus you know going and saying, well, you need to go and do this, right? And you need to go and do that because if, it's, if, if, if you allow that for one thing, then you're opening the, the doorway for concept creep and for those things to then get applied on, on a larger scale. So, you know, do I, you know, do I agree that we should have had lockdowns? Look, I, I would say in the, in the initial instance when nobody knew what, you know, was going on, maybe a fair call, right? And I think everybody would have been reasonable enough to say, yeah, if, if we needed to stop for two weeks, you know, we can stop for two weeks to better understand what the situation is. But, you know, when it starts to go on for, for months and, you know, for a lot of people where, you know, jujitsu would have been their health and fitness. 
you know, and now you can't do get your, your, your kick of health and fitness. So what are we encouraging? We're encouraging people to be unhealthy. And so then they've got a, an even a worse chance of getting sick, whether it's and not even through necessarily through that virus, but through anything, you know, or cause mortality. Think about cancers and all these other things that obesity, all these other issues that you create when you don't allow people to exercise. I was um, <laughs> not going to mention who who was involved, but a while back I was on a Zoom phone call with um, myself, like so some people in Sydney, some people in Melbourne, and <laughs> some people up in Byron Bay. And Byron had at that time just gone into like a one-week snap lockdown and the person in Byron was complaining about their one-week snap, snap lockdown. lockdown. I'm yeah. like, you know you're talking to people in Sydney and Melbourne, yeah. right? <laughs> it's <laughs> for fucking months. Yeah. The most lockdown city yeah, in the world. Piss off, you know. Yeah. 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 So lockdown. Uh, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's a exciting few months ahead. As long as, you know, your priorities don't change and Dave's like, Johnny, there's a grading coming up. And you're like, I'm pulling out of the running race. <laughs> my, my priorities have changed. So, uh, so, uh, my mentality on all that is, is, is actually, you know, I, I feel like uh, it's consistency over intensity. So from that perspective, you know, if you really want to apply the, the, the concept of compound interest, the fact is that if you show up and make sure that, that you're there mentally when you're training, Whatever happens from from that perspective, you know, with your grades and things like that, like that's that's all going to happen. That that will come. You know, it may take somebody, you know, like a BJ Penn, like three years. It might take most of us, you know, ten to fifteen years, right? But it it will happen, provided you keep showing up. So I, I don't really have that mentality where it's like, you know, when suddenly there's a goal, I, I go and try and make drastic changes. I actually because so, the coach knows, right? When you're someone who never trains and yeah. all of a sudden there's a grading and you're there every day for the two weeks before the grading. Yeah. I see you, bro. Yeah. Mm. I see so, you. so I I have that mentality where if Dave said, you know, you need to grade tomorrow, or my kickboxing coach said, Hey, you know, you're fighting this week, right? I'd fight. Like it just wouldn't phase me, you know, or if my MA coach said, you know, Johnny, we got we got you on this card, like it is what it is, you know. Note I'm to not, self, if we ever need a last-minute opponent, yeah, like, Johnny will Johnny, step up, bro. Yeah. Just give me a call. Johnny, you're fighting. <laughs> yeah, like it, it when? It, 45 it, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, but, like, it doesn't, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really phase me. If you're training consistently, you're always ready. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, like – That's it's, awesome approach. It, well, the, uh, I'll give you a funny anecdote to that, right? Like, so um, eating before training, right? So what's everybody's what, – what, what would you guys say on that? Would you, would you want to train on a full stomach? No, no, no. Okay. No. So when I was training Kung Fu, um, basically the, the story is something like my, my master would be like, you know, um, so it, if you can't eat before you train, if we go out and have dinner and then there's a fight, what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a full stomach, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. so, you know, and it, it, to me it makes sense. It's like you should always be ready. Mm. So, so I, 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 I got used to training on a full stomach. I can train on a full stomach. I can train on an empty stomach. Yeah. Like it doesn't, those things don't bother me anymore. Like I don't, I don't think of those things as a big issue. I think we, we, far too often we as individuals, we take these little things and put them so out of context that, that we go, oh, you know, to get this right, we need to do all these little things. Like, you know, when we talk about nutrition, you know, we talked about this on, on my podcast about, you know, if you just look at the big macros, you'll, you'll generally go in the right direction. You don't mm. need to necessarily go into the detail and say, oh, you need to eat this mushroom. and Yeah, calculate food. all your micronutrients. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm a little bit lower on vitamin yeah. A today. Like, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the more the more things that you Im- involve in, in, in it, mm. the more excuses you give yourself as well. Mm. Because, you know, having a full stomach and then go, oh, I'm not going to go hard today. Mm. Right? Or, oh, I, I didn't eat. I, I can't train hard today. Right? Yeah, yeah it makes sense. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm starting to think this whole – 
you can't swim until 30 minutes after eating is a lie. <laughs> yeah, straight up. It's <laughs> complete bullshit. But it makes me think of like, and um, you know, in engineering, they, they, you know, how they'll say something along the lines of, you know, they, they'll try to simplify whatever it is, like a jet engine or something, because the more like points there are, or the more yep. components, the more points of failure, failure. there is, exactly. the more potential points of failure, Exactly. you know? And I remember thinking that when, I'm actually still not a huge fan of flying, uh, but you know, nowadays even some of the bigger jets, well, some of the massive ones like the A380 will still have like the four jet engines, but even like the big Dreamliners and stuff, they've just got the two jet engines, right? Mm. And I remember thinking when I was a bit younger, I'd be like, oh, you know, the the planes with four engines would be like much safer because <laughs> then if you lose one, you've still got like three engines, but then it's like, no, it's actually no, kind bro, of- they require all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually kind of the opposite, yeah. right? It's like, no, there's actually more points of failure there. Yeah, and you know, the, the planes with two engines can fly just yeah. fine with one, yep. right? But um, I don't know, it's slightly off topic, but I, no, got, there, no. I got there somehow. Yeah. That was a great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> analogy out of the strikes again. Wow. <laughs> 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 Uh, well, Johnny, thank you so much for, for coming on the episode. I think we could go for another like two hours. So I, have think to, so. <laughs> I think we'll have to get you on again in the future, sure. um, particularly around, maybe not around that election time because it would probably be yep. very busy for you, but maybe in the aftermath <laughs> we could talk about your experience. and, and um, sure. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. There's definitely things that we, we didn't get to touch Especially on. Especially if you to. win and we can do some whole like how you choked the opposition into <laughs> submission. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 this isn't Russia, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down. Settle down over there, Ads. You're definitely never running for anything. <laughs> We're not letting you bro, out of the cage. I haven't run in years. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. Last time you ran was with me. And yeah, I can testify that. Yeah, I'm not the fastest runner. No. I'm a slow burn, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's very it. slow burn. <laughs> and, and you don't burn for very long. <laughs> slow and short burn. <laughs> Next time you get him in bottom, you're just going to crush the absolute Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kieran's you saying it. Kieran, Kieran tap from a knee ride. Yeah, oh, I can. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Johnny, where can people find you? What's coming up? For, I mean, obviously the election is, yep. is going to be a big part of your life, um, but- you know, is there anything coming up in the works more sort of jujitsu slash MMA focused? Have you? No, nah, you know? look, people can find me at Johnny Apps on Instagram. Um, so it's just J O H double N Y Y A P S. You know, when I when I decided on the name for my podcast, it was it was quite interesting. Like I just that's so it's such a good it's, name. It's, it's perfect. perfect. Well, right? It's so, so perfect. Johnny Yap, yeah, as Johnny Yaps. Yeah, it's exactly. great. It's great. So so yeah. So that's that's where you can find me. Um, feel free to hit me up there. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's either there or YouTube or mm. and your Apple podcast Podcasts. is across uh, uh, yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's yeah. on all the platforms. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm about to actually uh, start booking my next round of, um, of of podcasts. So you know there'll be more content coming up. Um, I, I don't. Do you have the same problem with Libsyn and the, and and the, and, the up, and the upload limits and things like we, that? We we have a pretty large upload limit. Okay. So um, yeah. we yeah we we had it. It's just enough. So for, fill the context just quickly for those listening. In a lot of podcast platforms, they they limit how much data you can upload yeah. per month. Is it's it's their business model. Yep. So uh, yeah, we we have just enough to get our month worth before it resets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you know, um, so I guess if you want to see all of my latest content, best to go on YouTube. But if you don't mind catching up at a later date, or you don't anyone listen to audio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So yeah, and I'll put yeah. a link to everything that uh, Johnny mentioned and uh, all 
everywhere you, where you can find uh, the Johnny Yaps podcast in the description. So please check it out and show Johnny some love. Thanks, but, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And until you, next Johnny. time, see ya. 